Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Been wanting to talk to this guy for a really long time because he always struck me as someone who was unusually honest and interesting, and I always thought he was kind of fearless publicly in a way that I found strange and made him a bit of an eccentric for a lot of different reasons. So, Gilbert Arenas, uh, thank you for making the time for us. I, I've always been wondering like how you became that way because uh, it struck me as an unusual confidence for a guy to have who hadn't exactly been a star all his life, you know, who hadn't been given the easy route. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, what's funny... I- I was a shy kid growing up, like scared to do interviews. Um, I remember when I went out for my first uh, commercials, I was supposed to be an actor. Um, It was the Grand Hill uh, Sprite commercial. And I got camera shy and freaked out and went home. You know, so I wasn't, you know, this agent zero personality. I'm still not that guy in person. I just found a way to, when the cameras is on, give them, you know, a character that they will want to listen to. So you were fooling around with the media. You were a little bit ahead of your time, right, in terms of being able to know how to make things go viral. Sort of uh, the first guy who was out there doing some things in sports that were playing. I guess you're, you're. It's a bit of an act. Yes, it's it's you know, it's sound bites, you know. Um, I learned early, everyone has a job to do. If you make everyone's job a little bit easier, they make your job a little bit easier. So I knew when, you know, I was in front of the media to entertain, give them the sound bites. You give them sound bites, they don't have to make up their own sound bite. I remember reading a profile of you from Mike Wise in the Washington Post, and I thought it was unusually vulnerable, unusually intimate. One of the things, I mean, you gave him all the details. You didn't mind about, like, really letting him into your private life, a private life that would include you like to sleep alone. You like to get on the couch and be away from people. I remember that detail because I'm like, why is this dude giving up all the goods on his privacy? Because the world we live in, if... You don't give it to them, people get to searching. People want to know who you are. People try to find out who you are. So letting them in just a little bit, you know, keeps everyone at bay from digging a little bit deeper. Well, what were the things, going back, because I like for these to be biographical, and I don't want you to be defined by any white one thing, but when you look back in your upbringing and the things that shaped you, like what are the landmarks for you in terms of not the actor, but the guy who was, uh, you know, arriving at fame and the NBA and how he got there? Hard work. Um, that, that was the most important tool to... Um, who I was and what I became, um, being fierce, not being scared, being confident. Um, you know, once doubt kicks in, you know, everything else goes downward. So, you know, just having a, a great attitude about it, trying to find humor, 
trying to find a little bit of humor in every situation, um, no matter what it is, you know, keeping that upbeat spirit, I think helped me along the way. How did you shake off some of that shyness? Um, being, you know, when you go to college and you have uh, teammates like Richard Jefferson, Luke Wall in, and, you know, you finding out the different personalities, watching, you know, how they move in the crowd and, you know, just finding your own confidence in who you are as a person, you know, and that's, you know, what I was doing in college. What parts of the NBA were you not ready for? Reality. The political part of it. The business side of it. Um, I didn't understand it. I didn't like it. Um, I remember when I got drafted, you know, 31, and I'm sitting here like, you know, I killed everyone in, in these workouts. You know, some of these guys who went lottery, I destroyed them. What is going on? This has nothing to do with basketball. And I remember I'm on that interview or I'm doing my, um, my press conference, and I said, I'm going to be starting by the middle of the season and then hung up. <laughs> you know, because I figured let the little political, you know, half of the season go through and then, you know, they'll want real basketball. What do you mean by the political stuff? Like what was the first time, when was the first time the business of it and the politics of it hit you in the face? You know, if you're a 31 pick and they just paid somebody 5 million, 10 million, they're not sitting at five to $10 million guy on a bench for, you know, a guy who's making 200,000, no matter how good you are, that's political. That's, that's, that's business. That's not basketball. That's not sports. So I got depressed about it. You know, um, you know, I'll sit there and, you know, you know, 19 year old kid, I'm crying at night trying to figure out what the hell this is. You know, I called, you know, Lute Olson, uh, Rodney Tension, who recruited me there back to Arizona, I'm calling to see if I can come back. You know, this is bullshit. And then, you know, they're sending me highlight tapes saying, trust the process. This is before Joel and B trust the process. That was, you know, the words to me, trust, just trust the process. Work, train, don't get down, you know. And it's hard to say that when you, you have one suit, wearing it every game, and you're just sitting there <laughs> on IR, but you're not hurt. Well, explain that part of it to me, though. So you're crying in the room because what? Life's not fair because this isn't a meritocracy because I thought that you're naive. Gilbert Arenas arrives naive about what this is. It's not just, hey, the best guy's supposed to play, isn't he? That's that's you know, that's what, you know, the frustration, the, the hurt is from that the best guy is not playing. But all fairness, I wasn't the best guy at that at that point in time. Mentally, I was. You know, like I played against, you know, Jason Richardson. You know, one-on-one, -on -one, he could not do anything with me. I had an advantage over him. Um, you know, I was crafty, I was a pure scorer. So, you know, watching him, you know, get 30-something minutes, and I'm on IR, and I'm like, yo, just, just let us go one-on-one, -on -one. I can show you what I am. You know, and as much as, much as I studied the game of basketball. I didn't understand there's different type of players. I was a one-on-one -on -one expert. He was a freak athlete. He fed better with this group. He knew how to get his own baskets without demanding the ball. I didn't understand upside and downside, and I didn't, I didn't understand that. And it took me, it took me half the season watching game after game, players after players, to really actually understand it. 
How did you not get your ass kicked? Like on the court or? No, just somebody court. like with the pranks and just you were relenting, unrelentingly yourself, right? And you were, you could be somebody who was not to be trifled with in terms of the escalation of stuff, of pranks, right? So I would I would assume that at some point somebody would try to you or put, put an end to that or try to put an end to it. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, I got my ass whooped. No, no, no. That's, no, no. I, <laughs> plenty of times. Um, Christmas, it's the veteran. So um, I got tied up. You know, you know how you have, um, it's like this is early 2000, so they have the little hampering bucket. It was blue. You know, where you throw your dirty clothes and towels. Um, yeah, they filled that up with water and ice, and um, I got tied, hands, feet, mouth, don't even know what mouth was for, um, threw me in the water and almost died. Um, that, that happened. Um, I got hit by a car um, by Chris Mills. Um, what's funny is, you, Dan, was it uh, Frank Tarkington? Fran Tarkington, the old quarterback oh, for the Vikings. Yeah, this is when throwback jerseys was, like, really in. And, you know, everyone was trying to get the best, you know, throwback. So Chris Mills ordered the, the Tarkenton jersey. And I snuck into his uh, house and took it and wore it on a plane. Um, <laughs> putting barbecue sauce on it. And, you know, I was doing anything I can. He didn't, did not, did not look at me, did not make a sound, nothing. We go on the road, come back. He drives me home. He's my ride home. Doesn't say a word, just listening to music. I'm getting out and I'm like, well, let me, don't ever go behind a car because they can just back up. Let me go in front. So I go in front and sure enough, boom, he hits me into my garage. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my hip was bruised for about three weeks, but it didn't matter. I was on IR anyway. You so I did go through rookie, rookie beatings. You have to be someone who can hold on to something for a while to be able to quietly do that. I need to hear the other story, though. Why did you almost die by drowning? Like, what did you do to, what did you do to deserve that? I put Oreos. Did the Oreo... And then I put it on top of the hoods of their car. And I think the, the sun damaged the paint. And, yeah, they wasn't feeling that one at all. At that point, you, you, know, you know, paint damage, I'm not that, you know. <laughs> I don't know anything about paint damage, but, you know, it, it, it came with a price. So were you being a child? Was there something about you that was mischievous that just, like, how did it form the idea of no one is going to top me on this? I am going to be unrelenting, and if I get my ass kicked, that's okay. I, I'm going to amuse myself because I have a dark sense of humor, and I will take whatever that punishment is, even if it means almost dying, because that sounds scary, what you just described. Tied up in, a, tied up in, <laughs> in, in water, that sounds deeply unsafe and super scary. It was, it was. But come on, I grew up, I grew up on Dennis the Menace and Problem Child. That was, <laughs> that was my cartoons and TV shows. So, you know, that was what my sense of humor was. So... If I thought it was funny, I tried it. What people don't understand too, and this is, this is a big, big reason that you see some of the childish behavior amongst players. 
Well, when you come into an NBA or a, a men's league at the age of 18, 19, 20, you're still a child. You're, you don't know what wine is, what you don't know any of these things. So when you put a player that's 18, 19, 20 into an adult league, right? You're talking about you have guys that's 40, 38, got four children, married. That's not who your companion is. That's not who you're hanging out with. That's not who, you know, so either you have your friends that's coming who are children too, or you got other young players doing children things. Well, you guys are growing, right? Who is teaching you how to be an adult? No one. So when you get to 24, 25, the older guys haven't taught you about being a husband, you know, you know, having another partner. All you know is clubbing and patrolling your the last four or five years of your 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 first, you know, your NBA experience. So the only thing you do is travel back down to the kids who are doing what you know how to do. So you don't really age mentally when you get drafted. You're still the same person until you get a wife or one of those veterans take you under their wing and teach you how to be a grown-up or professional. Well, who was teaching you how to be an adult before that? Because it sounds like you had it pretty rough. Like, what? There wasn't. you were learning your own lessons, no? There wasn't a whole lot of teaching going on, was there? Yeah, when, when, that's what I said. When you come into the NBA, you don't really have adult teachers. You know, like, um, you're learning from the veterans that you see, so you're, you're watching more. No, but I'm talking about before that, Gilbert. I'm talking about, like, I don't know what you remember about your time from Miami, for example. Like, what are the details that you remember? Well, so like, I, I'm, I don't, I, I have no, I don't remember nothing of Miami, um, Florida, Tampa. Um, like, one of my best friends, um, he became USC stud, Williams, um, the, the receiver. Mike Williams? Yeah, Mike Williams was who lived across the street. Our grandmas lived across the street, and that was my childhood friend growing up until I moved. Um, that's all I remembered, you know, from my, my, um, my Florida days. Other than that, you know, when I got to California, it's just like when people say, yeah, you, you had a hard life. Like, no, nah, my shit was fun. I, it was entertaining. Like, you know, my friends, like my friends played basketball. We... Like, yeah, we was mischief, but it was fun. It was funny. There was no, we wasn't going to jail. We wasn't robbing anybody. We wasn't doing stuff like that. You know, um, you know, so for the most part, everything I did was like, was Jack Ashes. You know, they came out with a show. That was us. That was my experience growing up. And when I fell in love with basketball, you know, my energy went towards that. How much guidance were you getting? How much guidance did you need? Guidance towards, you know, sports, none. Um, I was self-motivated. Um, you know, I remember when Jordan, Jordan or Kobe, when they say, like, you know, they took little, anything to get better. You know, this negative thing, this, that, that, was, that was me. Um, you know, if someone said, oh, you know, he, he had a bad percentage, shot this and this, you know, I hear it. You know, now I'm working on being efficient. You know, so I didn't need I didn't need a trainer. I didn't need any guidance towards that. But, you know, like my my high school coach, um, he knew I was dedicated. You know, so what he did was provided the building. So 
before school, six o'clock, five o'clock, the gym was open for me. Nutrition, the 15 minutes, the gym was open. Lunch, the gym was open. After school, the gym was open. Saturday, Sunday, the gym was open. So he opens the gym and I'm there. Um, so I didn't really need, you know, guidance and, you know, that um, I was always a people person. You know, so most of the things that I was doing, I was basically learning, um, adjusting, watching, you know, watching how the veterans, who's the star, listening to the questions a reporter asked, how he answered it, understanding the difference between, okay, Antoine Jameson is a professional, this guy isn't, let me see how he answers, let me see how he answers, try to find my own style. So you, it was more you, was of it a important, learning experience. Was it important for you to be professional? Like, was that something that mattered to you? Because when you talk about Antoine Jameson, yes, carries himself as a picture at all times of of regal class, but you kind of liked being a peacock. Yeah, be, because I'm learning, I'm trying to figure, you know, we look at others we see who's who, and we try to figure out where we fit in. I see, you know, how Antoine dressed, what a franchise guy looked like, you know, okay, what does a mid guy look like? What, you know, and trying to figure out how, where do I fit in? Like, okay, you know, I'm this guy right now, so no one's paying attention to me. When I'm a franchise guy, this is how I'm supposed to sound, okay? He didn't have a bad game, but we won. What? What is his tone? You know, that's where, you know, um, you know, it was a great team win. And you learn how. How to be to uninteresting. Be, it doesn't come yeah. naturally to you. You learn how to be less interesting because I always yeah. I, I always thought that you sort of enjoyed the honesty of it, but there were plenty of places where that can burn you. Yeah, you know, um, I knew the power of the pin early. The power of the pin. So I remember I was in college. And we're playing a team, IUPUI, IUPUI. And they asked me, they said, have you heard anything about your next opponent, IUPUI? And I said, uh, yeah, my uh, Jason Gardner said they suck like shit and we should beat them by 50. And they're like, okay. And they wrote it and everyone's looking at me. I was like, what? You can't say that or something? Like, they, they, they fucking suck. <laughs> like, I don't know anything about it. I'm just relaying what I heard, you know? And then that's where, you know, you, you, you hear that. And then from there, you just try to, you know, figure <laughs> the shit that's out one, for you. That's one way to learn it. So if I were to, <laughs> what bits of advice? The guy sitting in front of me right now in front of a shark tank with a shark sitting on the throne, sitting, sitting on a chair that everyone in this room was envious of. If you were to go back and tell that kid uh, something different as he enters the league, what's the advice that you go back and give him and say, do this differently, differently, this, do this more, do this uh, another way? My personality is what got me here on your show today. So I can't change that. Um, my training can't change that. You know, um, taking my injury serious, you know, that's one thing I could have changed. Um, I didn't really understand being heard and the process of, you know, um, take your time, rehab, listen to your body. You don't have to play hurt to prove that you're hurt. Just get healthy and then show everybody your back. The one thing that someone would say was, would you take back the locker room incident? Well, that's a double-edged sword for me because it's competitiveness, right? It's, it's 
what made me great on the court, being competitive, you know, taking a challenge and then calling someone's bluff. You know, if, 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 if Kobe said, I'm going to stop him today, and I'm like, uh, no, no, you're not. That's my, 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 my bluff call. You know, so it's hard for me to, to take back, you know, that incident with a teammate because it was the personality and it was the personality that made me who I was because the day I took it back was the day I retired technically. So when I came, when I came back to play, I wasn't agent zero anymore. And that's why I changed my number. You know, I spent the whole summer reflecting on my personality as a person and how it led to that. And I was more disappointed at myself that I put my teammate in that situation. Me, you know, I didn't care about my, myself because I can overcome, but the fact that I put my, my teammate that I go to war with, that we practice with every day, in a situation to act like that, and that was the downfall of his career. Um, that's what hurt me the most. Um, you know, so I said I would never, I would, I would never be that person again. And it showed in my, it showed in my play. I was, I was docile. I wasn't a shark. I wasn't a lion. I became a deer. I'm just, I'm just out there, you know, trying to survive. That's fascinating. I have never heard you sort of deconstruct it that way, where you basically felt neutered. You come back from that whole thing. You do finger guns. You try to get back to yourself. But you're saying that the the guy who got you to the league, that overcame the odds, the guy who was willing to work, who overcame everything, that if I take that competitor away from him, a, com a competition that rises to a game of chicken that involves guns, Gilbert, and, mm -hmm. and national scandal in a way that this is still associated with your name, you're saying, no, I don't regret that. I, the, I regret that it made me docile. I don't regret the other parts of it because it's who I am and it's who I had to be as a competitor. I had to take the game of chicken to this absurd place. Yes, like, I mean, and I know people are not, because once you say guns, oh, you guns in a locker room, you don't want to take that away. It's like, wait, there's, it's a deeper thought about it. It's like taking, it's, it's like taking Bill, Belichick's mental attitude towards everything, take it away. He doesn't become who he is. You take Tiger Woods, Superman, I'm Superman. I can do what I want. I can, I can bang who I want. I can do what I want. You take that away, you had four years of Tiger Woods, and you're like, what happened to this guy? The invisible cloth is what happened. He's not invincible. So when he's up on that tee, he doesn't feel like he's on top of the world looking down at you. You guys are eye to eye with him. The confidence is gone. He, he lost the ability to be invincible. You know, you take away the Thanos, the Thanos mind, and that's what ends the guy's career or, or slows it down for a moment. Did you see it at the time or only in retrospect? Like, was there a feeling while you're in it? Oh, wait a minute. I'm a changed human being. Having gone through this has broke the person. That It broke the person I was. That person no longer exists, and therefore the excellent or the, the prime basketball player I am also no longer exists. Because you just described yourself as a deer, Gilbert. A deer is meek. Yeah, I, I, I was, you know, when you're, when you're sitting there and I'm training in the summer, um... Working to, I, it didn't, it didn't actually happen in the summer. It happened when I met John Wall. So 
I'm training in the summer. Like you can do a fax check on it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm training in the summer and I'm training like a madman. Um, I'm in Chicago. I mean, I'm destroying everyone. I remember um, um, Iggy, Andre Iguodala, even sent a, a tweet out. Like Gilbert is playing like he's uh, <laughs> like he's ready for like he's ready for another max. Like John Wall is my enemy. Like this guy, y'all want the number one pick? Y'all think he can he can hold my jock? I studied his play. Like I I I watched every clip that I can possibly watch on him to see what his mannerism was, what his weakness was, what his strengths was. Rabbit, and, you're rabbit, you're hatred. Is it hatred? Yeah. Is it rabbit? Like what's happening here? You're just boiling. You're using hatred as I, I'm fuel. Just, I'm just, I'm just boiling. It's just fuel to fuel this, this because I know when I come back, all eyes are on me, and it's, it's go time. We get the training camp. Like I, I refuse. Like I got the whole beard. Like if I can't, that I came back with the ugly face. That, that's I'm on a mission. Um, John Wall walks up to me and said, oh my God, what's up, Gil, Agent Zero, man? I'm a big fan. Oh man, I can't, you know, you know, whatever I need to learn for me, you know, can you please teach me? That right there. It just took me back to this place of when I was Larry Hughes' rookie. This wide-eyed, open kid trying to figure out, you know, like the NBA, the ins and the outs. And this guy who's number one that I've been I've been, he's the, the target, you know, on my wall. This guy basically became me as a rookie, this wide-eyed kid. And learning. you're looking at him and you're like, oh, I'm not a killer anymore. I'm not. Yeah, a, like and I looked at him and said, oh, yeah, sure, in, anything you need. Like, in, anything you want, anything you need, you know, training hours, how to be a, you know, a trainer, how do you, you know, and it just, I, all the anger just went out. And that's when I was like, this is your team. You will have no problems for me. You were a lesser player, though, after that, right? Like, yeah. that, that's what you're talking about when you're talking about, yeah, I, I, I want an alpha goes at John Wall. An alpha yeah. doesn't. But you're saying you're linking the two things. You receded because at that point in your career, you had been broken in some ways by the scandal. or You couldn't be the same person or you couldn't. You were being told to change as a human being because you couldn't take everything to the brink of like in this case, something that could have escalated into death. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, well, we can't, there's, you can't die because there's no bullets. Um, but, <laughs> so you can't die because there's still bullets. Um, in yours, there were no bullets in your guns. Yeah. Correct. But well, not, yeah. we, we don't know about his. I don't, I mean, but that's, your, that's it's, but that's what I said. It's, that's a teammate. That's, that's, that's your brother. Like it, it's, there's, there's no, there's, there's no threat there. That's why I didn't take them serious. That's why I tease them still because, dude, dude we're, we're, we're technically like best friends. Like, like, that's like me and Nick Young pulling guns on each other. No, we're not fucking taking that serious. So it was like the thought process of what do I say to him? What am I doing? Like, how am I going to go at him? And it was like, he's you. He's you. He wants to learn. He's, he, respects, he respects you. You cannot hold a grudge and, you know, have an attitude with a guy who's sitting there like, oh, my God, you're a favorite player. And, you know, like, no. The, the keys are yours. I'm backseat. Whatever you need from me, I'm here playing my days out. And, and that was my approach. 
the day before training camp, the, the, the day of training camp um, when we first met. And it was one of those things is even when I, when I went to Orlando and, and I'm sitting there and I'm trying to get who I was back, like, yeah, yeah, I'm about to be a killer, come in this situation and just take over. And, you know, being subbed in and out, being subbed in and out, you know, I can't go at Stan and challenge, like, what's going on, do, 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 because, you know, the gun thing. So I can't say anything. So I'm just a mute now. And then that's, that's what ended up happening. I'm just, I'm just surviving. A lot has changed over the years, but you know, one thing that has the great taste of Miller Lite, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? I pose this question to you. I don't know. You tell me right now. Okay, yeah, that's good. I like that. Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. The best thing for me about a nice Miller Lite is when I'm on the boat, I bring those tall... I, I don't even go for the, the regular 12-ounce cans. I hit the tall boy 16-ounce cans. They usually come in a four-packs wherever I buy beer. You put it in the cooler. You put some ice on top. The moment you take it out and the sun reflects off that gold top of Miller Lite with that white can... A beautiful sight out on the open ocean. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling, and it tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com beach, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. How were you changed by going through all of that? And do you regard it as a particularly difficult thing to go through where you, you know, national shame, scorn uh, attached to your name, being a, you know, I, being in the center of all that seems uh, really uncomfortable. Um, you, you, it's like, it's like a person getting shot, right? You become scared and you want to disappear and hide or you become Superman. And like, oh, I just survived this. Y'all couldn't do, you know, those are the two. Those are the two. You're never the same. I, I became afraid. Um, when I was in Orlando, I blacked out my windows, you know, in my house. So I had limo tent on my house windows because I didn't want people to know I lived there. You know, it was just, it was shame. When I was on a court, um, this is how I knew what Tiger was going through. When he came back, um, you know, I'm on a court before the court was blurred. Now I can see every face. I can see every reaction. I miss a shot. It's, oh, this, what are they thinking? What are they reporting? Like, oh, he had 18. Yeah, Gilbert Arena's just coming off a gun charge. Like, it was, it was, the headline was always gun charge, gun, this, gun, that, gun, locker room guy, locker room. Like, I just couldn't shake it. So, if I can't shake it, just hide, and they can't talk about it. Don't do anything that makes people talk about it. And how were you sleeping, and where do you regard it in terms of di most difficult things you've gone through? Because oh. I, 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 I really do hate that some – I understand how it escalated to that, but that a part of this particular personality wouldn't, uh, wouldn't flourish after that because he would get scared. Like, you were, you were on your way in many ways, not just to being like a superstar basketball player, but being one of these incandescent, unusual personalities because you're a little bit different than everyone else, or you were willing to be a little bit different in public than everyone else. Mm -hmm. Well, I always – my – my public self was always shy. Um, you know, like 
you're not going to see me out much. You know, you're not going to, you know, like I'm not going to get in trouble for, you know, a fight in a club or some crap like that. Um, I was very, very homebody. Um, I mean, I got in trouble once and I was uh, buying fireworks, you know, to, to have a fireworks show. Um, you were a little bit of a kid. You were a little bit of a kid until like, yeah. until like how old before you were, you stopped being a bit of a child. Uh, we're still going. <laughs> uh, um, it's, kids are youth, youthful, you know, you know, so you, you know, so I still have the childlike, you know, uh, personality, but I was throwing up every single day when I was, um, every single morning when I got to the gym in Orlando, I was throwing up. Like, I, I just, I just couldn't hold nothing down. Didn't know why. Um, I don't know what I was afraid of. You know, I was happy to be around these guys, a new beginning. Um, but you got to remember, I'm still, this is not even a full year removed. Um, I'm on probation. I'm on two years of probation. Reading headlines, you know, you know, you know in, the, in, the, in, in the writings, people are commenting, you know, how long before I you know, mess up <laughs> again, you know, two months, you know, three months, uh, a year, you know, and I'm like, like the pressure is like, well, yeah, because if I mess up, even to get a ticket or something, I can possibly go to jail for three years. Like, it, it, like, like basketball wasn't even the focal point. Uh, that, that's why I said it, it became, I'm trying to survive. Not lose your freedom. Survive on a court. I'm trying to survive in my my real life because my real life is affected. You know, it's, it, this is just not some basketball personality. It became real life. Like, like when people say, well, off the court, he has these off the court issues. Like, wait, hold on. That's actually incorrect. Like, this was still on the court. This is a locker room, our locker room. This is not like Google's building where there's work hours. No, the locker room's actually safer than our homes. You know, our homes, we go on the road and we have no security. Our locker room, it's our security. We have fobs. We can go in anytime we want. If you go into a locker room right now, you can find half a million dollars of cash, jewelry, and whatever inside those diamonds, inside, because that is like a safe for us. So that's technically on court. That's my, that's a facility. Like I, you know, so my off the court issues didn't, they didn't even exist. It wasn't, it wasn't a thing. Um, you know, so trying to figure out how to survive in this outside world with, you know, your felon, you know, was, was, was really freaking, freaking me the fuck out. <laughs> I can hear, I can hear the audience saying, well, he's not allowed to be a victim here, but I can also see your viewpoint where you're saying, Hey, look, I had this one incident and I know why, how it looks, but I am not just this one incident. And now it does become a bit of a suffering. If you're paranoid and hiding in your home, you're, you're legitimately not enjoying basketball work, anything. You're just hiding in your home from the shame and the paranoia. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, because it's like, I know the gun things and, you know, but you, people don't understand this is not, this is not your average workplace. Um, these are not co-walkers. These are brothers. These are your friends. These are the only people on the planet that identify and going through the same thing you're going through. 
you know, your wife cheating on you, your girlfriend cheating on you, your parents asking for money. This person wants to start a record deal. This person's bleeding you. That person's stealing from you guys are the only people that's actually going through the same. So the conversations you guys are having are the same conversations and you guys are trying to deal with it. So these aren't just regular coworkers, you know? So, you know, you get in a fight tomorrow, you guys forgot about it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's one of those things. It's, you guys, are, these are not holding grudges. Someone needs to, you so know. You, you, think, you think everything's being lost in translation. It's yeah. us not understanding the locker room. You feel like NBA players would know that there's no actual danger or harm there. You need to understand that these guys are brothers and they would never actually harm each other. Yeah, just like two brothers at home. You guys are fighting, but you're not fighting to hurt each other. You know, me and, me and Javaris, up until that point, He's in my room every day, watching tape, watching games, eating, you know, gambling. You know, so this is a guy that I'm with more than, you know, Nick Young. You know, he's a, he's a young guy trying to figure out his way. You know, what does he see? What do I see? You know, how, you know, he's telling me about, you know, he got robbed in L.A. This guy is asking for, you know, he's, how would you, like, he's asking for information. You know, so our problem wasn't with each other. It was with how he was talking to a teammate. Like, yo, that's not how we talk to each other. You know what I mean? And, you know, when someone's frustrated, they're going to lash out. You know, and you lash out, I'm going to poke. Boop, 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 boop. Well, that's your so, thing. Yes, so, that's that's your thing. Like, if it, you And you got very good at that, right? If you've yeah. got someone Try agitated, to, you, you know, you'll get them more agitated. You're trying to figure out what your teammates are about, who, who breaks, who doesn't break. You know what I mean? And what ends up happening is, so when people say, you gave him $60,000 after he said he was scared for his life and you got a fe felony. Like, yeah, that's my teammate. <laughs> like, like he asked, he, he needs the money. Yes, why wouldn't I? Like, I'm not going to hold a grudge. You know what I mean? It happened, you know, it, 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 it went far. You know, once it goes, you know, there's no rewinding it. There's no trying to explain. It wasn't as, as dangerous as it's made to seem. It, there's no fighting it. You know, but that's my teammate. He needs my help. I'm going to help him. I don't hold any grudges against him. How about him? Well, no toward matter how the media made it seem, that's not that's not how it actually was. How about him toward you? Like you guys are totally cool now, or are you? Yes. Work? Um. Like you know. Um. You know, I don't know if he'd get in trouble for this, but you know, I buy him. You know, buy him cell phones. You know, so he can you know contact teammates, put him in touch with teammates. So me and Karan Butler. We still, you know, have, you know, in touch with uh, Javaris, you know, through text messages. And what's so funny is we've never actually talked about the incident. When we have conversations, it's about, you know, like, hey, what's the big three like? You know, how is John Morant? You know, he, he it's basket just like, it's like when we talk, it's like it actually never happened. And that's like from day one. He, he goes in, he's in trouble. The first thing he, hey, how's your knees? Like, why did you retire? Like, you know, you can't play anymore. Like, he's like, yeah, my knees are kind of like, and it just, it was just, it's just been basketball talk. It's never been about like, yo, like, what was you thinking? I, no, it's, it's, it's just basketball. Like, it's, it's crazy that two people can go through this and it, it, it changed and altered lives. And, the only thing we talk about is basketball. What came with money that you weren't expecting? I would imagine that once you arrived at the big contract, 
in some ways it felt like a finish line. Uh, I don't know if you're allowed to get satiated, but what came with that where you were like, oh, wait a minute, what you're talking about there, my teammates are the only ones who understand the pressure that actually comes with this money. I, I understand why athletes, you know, go broke. We don't understand the money. We don't respect the money. We don't respect everyone else's opinion about money. So you give me a hundred million, right? The thought of people will do anything to get near this money, to get a piece of this money, get a little bit of this money. They would deceive you. They would backstab you. They would try anything to get a little bit. That never crosses our mind. All we know is hoop. Yeah, I can buy all these things and yeah, that's secondary. Hooping is the most important thing to us. So when people say, yo, you get paid, why do you have problems? Well, you're looking at the money. I don't give two shits about that. That's why when someone's offering 260 over here in Toronto and you're offering me 145, 155, and I say, uh, yeah, uh, I just need Paul Georgia. You say no, and I turn down 80 extra million because I don't, I don't really care about that 80 extra million. I'm, I get to play with my, my guy, Paul George. That's why kids, players are still sacrificing for championships. See, the thought of, wait, why am I turning down 10 extra million for a billionaire? You're a billionaire. I'm a millionaire. You're a billionaire. Should you sacrifice for the championship? Why am I sacrificing the championship? Because how we're wired, the money is not the focal point of anything. So we don't respect, we're not trying to be billionaires. We don't have the thought of, we're trying to be billionaires. So, so we don't have the thought of someone trying to take advantage of us. So when you hear somebody say, oh yeah, his, this guy stole 3 million. Yeah, because I wasn't paying attention to him. I didn't really know what I was looking for. I thought he was my friend. So I can play this game with you from Business Insider, Ridiculous Ways Gilbert Arenas has spent some of his money, and you can tell me whether this is true or false or whether you have any better stories than the one I'm about to present okay. in front of you. True or false, is it true that you once had your car washed for $675, a $675 car wash? Yes, but it's not one car. It's about five or oh, okay. six cars. Okay, you know, well that's come. okay. All yeah. right. No, that sounds that's a that's a bit of nuance that ruins the story. Is it true <laughs> uh, that you paid eight thousand dollars for a Mercedes Benz electronic toy car? No. Is it true that you once had a sixty thousand dollar train set? No. Um, I spent sixty thousand dollars for Christmas shopping. Okay, that, another bit of, another bit of nuance. FAO Schwartz. Yes, that's another bit of nuance, though, that ruins the story, although very good Christmas for the arena's kids. Do you still have over 2,000 pairs of shoes? No, um, when I was in Orlando, I gave those away after, um, during the contest that summer of the lockout. Gave them all away? Yeah, so every game I wore a shoe, um, I ended up doing a raffle and ended up giving them away. So over the years, I just gave them away to fans the story behind your shark tank i've i've always been um intrigued with 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 fish um with with, with sharks um so like as you can see i have one behind me <laughs> um 
So I had a weight room, and I was like, what do I need a weight room inside my house if I have access to the gym 24-7? So I decided, you know what? I want to build a tank that's big enough to fit sharks. So I ended up, I think it was like 8,000 gallons. So I put an 8,000 gallon uh, shark tank. But it's a fish tank that has sharks, you know. It wasn't just all sharks. It was a fish tank that had sharks in it. It's soothing. Like, it just, like, you know, it just, you sit there looking at them all peaceful. And I'm sitting there like, eh, that's, do they know that a shark can just kill them anytime they want? Well, what do you, what, what do you regard, what do you regard as your greatest time of being a killer? Is it putting 60 on Kobe? Like if you, if you think of the time that Gilbert Arenas was at the max of his powers, is it that or is it some other time? Where I really, where I really was like, I can't be stopped was, I think it was two games after the 60. Right, we're playing Phoenix. Well, the summer—that's the summer, you know, before the season started. There was two two teams. I was going to score. I said I was. Gonna, I'm going to score fifty on. It was Portland and Phoenix because Dan Tony and um, uh, McMillan um, were assistant coaches. So I said, you know, since I can't get back at um, <laughs> Mr. Duke, you guys are next in line. So now you're going to so, take out assistant coaches. You are going on a vengeance tour of <laughs> Killer Gilbert Arenas. I'm going to I'm going to put 50 on some coaches. On some yeah, awesome coach. Yes. <laughs> All right, but this okay because you're playing filled with hatred and vengeance and pettiness. Yeah. So you got to remember this is also after I missed the free throws with, you know, against LeBron. You know, so that, you know, the the mind that mind um, that I had to tap into. You got to remember, I've watched history. I've watched, was it Dennis Scott who missed the threes uh, or the free throws? Um, uh, no, it was Dennis, uh, it was Dennis uh, Scott uh, missed the threes and Nick Anderson missed the free Nick, throws. Nick Anderson. So I've watched that. I've watched what happened to the career. So, you know, so the doubt, I had to, I had to take this doubt and throw it away. You know, so that summer, um, I went with a guy named Frank, in San Francisco, who was a Navy SEAL black ops guy. Doubt all summer, though. Doubt, like, where those free throws are haunting you throughout the summer. I've missed No, 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 no. I, I addressed that quick. Like, when the summer started, I went I went to um, San Francisco, and a guy named Frank, he was a Navy SEAL black ops guy. And that's all we worked on, mental toughness. That's all? You weren't doing even physical stuff. It's just like... No, it was, it was physical. Like, so he'll have me... Oh, I he'll see. He'll have me run like we'll jog and i remember at the first our first warm-up he was like all right we're gonna warm up um we're gonna go to the blue house are we gonna you know all right blue house all right running you know 10 minutes later you know you start looking up looking for the blue house you don't see it you know you know 30 minutes later you look for the blue house and you're like mm. and I, I and he said it if you keep looking for the blue house you're gonna keep getting tired if we sit here and have a conversation and you take your mind away from the blue house, it'll go by a lot faster. And trust me, the blue house will be there. So like, all right. So we sitting there having conversations, just looking down three to four hours later. He's like, we're done. And then you look, like, oh, 
damn, Blue House. <laughs> it was the Blue House. So that's all it was. It was just about mental, mental, mental. So, you know, going into that next season, I was mentally different. You know, I was, I, I really tapped into like finishing people off, you know, being positive when I'm at the free throw line, just having that, that supreme confidence. So going into um, Phoenix, you know, you told, you told them that, you know, you're going to score 50. They're on a 16 game winning streak. So they're the hottest team in the league and you're going to go score 50 against them. Be- yeah, because you're vengeant right. against an assistant yeah. coach. No, and then I remember uh, Bill Walton was like, "Hey, play well. Uh, don't even have to worry about that, right? I got this." So we're warming up, and I remember Dan Tony said, "Hey, Renus, you're gonna need more than 50 to beat this team." I figured that I'm gonna score more than 50, and that was our conversation. And then 54. And we won, <laughs> you know, but that was, that was, that was, that was the, the game that really said, like, I told these, I told these guys I was going to score 50. And I said, he said that I'm going to need a little bit more. And I told him, I'm going to get a little bit more to beat you. And the fact that it, I, I, I did all of it basically gave me the confidence that, I can't be stopped even when they know I'm coming. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It sounds like you admire the best basketball version of yourself. What does the the unhappiest version of that look like? Is it the end of your career or is it is it in the doubt that you're talking about that you couldn't overcome because Navy SEALs or not, what you went through was something that was very difficult to overcome mentally? I can't say my rookie year because my rookie year, yeah, I went through pain, but that led to anger. That anger led to being disciplined. That discipline got me a spot. And when I got the spot, I took off. Um, The ending, it was more of mentoring. Like people um, people think I was blackballed. And, you know, I... I used to say I wasn't blackballed. Um, I had to make a decision. Um, and the decision came when I was in Memphis. See, so I went to Orlando, signed a deal with Memphis, so I wasn't blackballed. What happened in Memphis was it was the same reason I didn't come to the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I tried out for the Los Angeles Lakers, did very well. I probably took about 400 shots during that tryout, missed four. And the last 20 was from damn near half court. I only missed two of those. So I was 18 from 20 from like the circle. Um, Phenomenal. I botched the uh, meeting, um, which I, I, you know, I sabotaged it. You know, you know, you're asking me, hey, um, when can you be ready? You know, when can you you be ready to come? (sighs) Ah, ah maybe a month 
like I, it's March, so I know <laughs> a month, like, you know, a month, and, you know, a month. But to be honest, you really don't need a player like me. You know, you just need to tweak the, the second unit, make them a little faster, like you guys used to have it back in the day. And you guys are perfect, you know? And that was my answer. Like, yeah, you don't really need me 30 days, and, you know, so I can go back home. I, I'm not coming to L.A. You guys are going to crucify me. You know, um, you know, I don't want to hear that, oh, the guy in the locker room and this and this. And that's when Kobe came out and said, you know, I want, I want Agent Zero. And, and I'm like, with all due respect, Kobe wants a player that no longer exists mentally. He's looking for the guy who was mentally battling him from 2001, watching him. Pre-game at 3 o'clock was there every, every time we played at 3 o'clock. That's the guy he wants. I'm no longer that guy. So I'm going to reject this. So I go back home playing in the uh, park league <laughs> with uh, White Chocolate. Me and him playing in the park league together, killing these guys. Um, uh, Dan Fagan calls me and says, uh, RIP Dan, um, hey, can you go try out for... Memphis, like the Grizzlies? He's like, yeah. He's like, can you just please do me a favor? Just a favor? I was like, all right, fine. I owe you, you know, I'll go do the favor. So get on a plane, um, go there, try out, did amazing. Tell them, hey, good luck. Appreciate you guys bringing me in. Um, go look what the rest of the season. You guys, you know, you guys have a solid veteran team. You know, you should guys should do good in the playoffs. Um, getting on the plane or, or driving back to the plane um, to, to the airport. And the guy was like, hey, we got to um, turn back around. They want to sign you. So I, mean, so I mean, what? It was like, they want you. They want to they sign you. They have a contract ready. Um, and then we have to go sign it, get back on the plane so you can go meet the team in Portland. Wait, ho- wait, 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 wait. I didn't even bring any clothes for this trip. I'm coming in and I'm leaving. I don't, I'm, wait, I don't, I, I'm not mentally ready. Like I'm sitting here trying to figure out how to get out of this, <laughs> this contract. And I called doing? Dan. I was like, Hey, Dan, Hey, they're trying to sign me, bro. Like, he was like, what's the problem? I don't want to play. Like, <laughs> like, like, I don't, I, I don't, I, I just got amnesty. You know, I'm, I get to like live life, like breathe for at least a year or whatever. It was like, please just go. Like, you sitting at home is not going to help you mentally. Being back on the court will. Right? So, you know, I said, fine, sign. We go play the Blazers. You know, he plays me. We're playing. Everything is going good, you know, meeting with the guys. And then I remember we have Pargo, Jeremy Pargo, and um, Josh Shelby. Those are the two rookies. Um, that Memphis has guards and that was the reason they needed a veteran because they have two rookie guards as backups so I'm working out with these guys I'm training with these guys you know giving them the ins and the outs of getting to the gym early getting the routine down if your routine is consistent your game is consistent you know you you just don't live day to day you you have a foundation you have rules. You stick by those rules. You know, you try not to alter from them. So I'm trying to give them the lay of the land. You know, like, hey, you know, and I got to tell them, I don't bring my cell phone 
to the gym on game day, you know, trying to, you know, why? Like, what is on my phone going to help me for this game? All, all someone, all that's coming in is going to be, oh, I need tickets. I didn't get in. Can you, you know, so you're sending people to put, like, that's all that phone is for. It's, it's, a, it's a distraction. It can hurt you. It can, it can mess up your mentality. Like someone texts, oh, your girl's cheating on you. You, think, you ain't thinking about this game anymore. So I leave that at home on game day. So watching these kids work, adapt, observe, you know, just, you know, just really trying to understand how to be a pro. And they're better than me. You know, physically, you know, they have more athleticism than me. They can, you know, I'm, you know, I'm still hobbling around. But the first person they call off the bench, Gil, 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 Gil. And I had to sit there and go back to the Larry Hughes situation. And the Larry Hughes situation was this. I was on the bench. I was on IR. Larry Hughes hurts his ankle. Game 41. Game 42, they take me off IR. Bobby Sura says, hey, I want to still be the sixth man. That's how I like coming into the game. The game is already, everyone's wearing a penalty. I can really, I have a different game. So start the rookie. So they start me with playing San Antonio. You know, I actually did well. Um, by the time Larry comes back, I'm, I've done had four double-doubles. You know, everything is running well. I'm playing well. So he couldn't get his starting position back. So I'm like, this is my veteran. You know, this is a guy, you know, that takes me home here and there. Like, what is he? How does he feel? And you know, he came to me like, oh, I'm not mad at you. This is, this is the business of basketball. This is how it is. You know, you have to understand it. You can't take it personal. Like, okay, you know, and, you know, in a game, you know, when he gets the rebound, throwing it to me, let's go. We're, like, we're really playing. There's no animosity, you know. So I'm like, at the end of the season, what am I doing? It gives me all his clothes. Hey, you don't have to spend no money. Goes to Washington, signs a three-year deal. Um, when he's in Washington, I call him first. This is the first person I call. Like, hey, Washington is trying to sign me. What should I do? He's like, come on. I've, I'm going to be the shooting guard. You're going to point Come on, let's let's do this. We 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 work well together. Like, oh, 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 okay, cool. So I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know what? I think this is it for me. As long as a player like me is on a team's bench, they're gonna keep playing me because of the name, because of the experience, because of what they think they're getting. And I'm holding up someone else's dream. If I wasn't here, these guys will have the opportunity. So, and that's all you need in a sport or at a job. You just need a one opportunity, one good game to really get your career started. So I was like, I don't want to be that guy that's holding up a spot for someone to start their dream off to feed their family. Did I hear you correctly? Did you purposely and consciously sabotage that Laker interview? Yes. Because you went in there not wanting the pressure of playing with Kobe because the previous because he couldn't see what you could see which is the guy that he wanted was dead. That is correct. 
And so why go through the process just to get there to waste your time so that you so that you nuke the thing before it gets started? Why why even go through those motions? Or you had to to see if you'd change your mind in the interview or No, no, no. Um so the comments his comments came after the workout. So I'm pretty sure he heard what I did at the workout. But a LA kid, when I was coming into the draft, that wasn't one of the teams that I worked out for. So it, I think it was more of living up, living, you know, that childhood dream of, you know, you get the little Lakers shorts and all that, even though I didn't get the Lakers shorts, but <laughs> you go there, you're, you're trying out for the team. And, you know, I think it was the the idea. You just wanted to kill the workout just to show the Lakers, look, I could still do this from half court, but, <laughs> I, but I don't really want to do it anymore. No, 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 no. I just got amnesty and the ideal of, oh, I can go anywhere I want was still there. But after the workout and you start asking me questions and it's like I'm already editing and I'm like, okay, he's going to talk about the guns. He's going to talk about, I know he's going to talk about the guns. He's, you know, and I'm sitting there like, you, you know, you start getting uh, nervous. Like, is he going to ask about it? He's going to ask about it. He's going to ask about it. So I'm already trying to prepare myself to somehow get out of this whole <laughs> this, this Gilbert, whole process that, of interview. That whole thing is fascinating, though, Gilbert. Seriously, like, because you are not this one act. Like, if you could go back, maybe you don't go back and do it differently, but if you could go back and and it, you couldn't have expected the life-altering ramifications, the echoes of this that would end up uh, – you know, making you feel, I know you're not going to, you don't want to be seen as a victim, but there is something in this that uh, even if it's brought by your own hand, even if you can dismiss the idea that it was misunderstood because someone wants to argue with you, the idea that this would somehow haunt and define you when this is absolutely like you are, you are really a multidimensional person. You are not this one thing. Well, when you say victim, you got to remember there's actually only two victims. It was victimless. It's, Two players, those are the two victims, those are the two aggressors. So it's not like, you know, I hurt someone else and then I'm pretending to be the victim. We're both, <laughs> there's no one got, no one got hurt besides the two individuals. So, um, so we're, we're, we're not victims, but we're victims to our stupidity. But the first thing I said before I, you know, I, I talked about the gun thing was, I should have took my injury serious um, because you got to remember, it's still the business of basketball. You have a guy who signed a $111 million contract who's up to this point has three knee surgeries within 14 months. We don't need him anymore. We need to off the contract. The reason the story came out a certain way and it came out that I was the aggressor I was the one, you know, holding the, like, I never touched a gun. No one ever seen me, you know, touch the gun. Never had fingerprints on the gun. What I said and what I did is say, hey, those are my guns that was on them. I never told, I never said I put them there. Never seen I touched them. I said, those were mine. I claimed them, which I could have easily said they weren't mine, you know, but I was the honest guy. Those are, those are, those were mine. So, what ends up happening is this. For a gun in a locker room or uh, a gun on a plane, which is part of the NBA, a gun in your car under the arena, it all falls under the same umbrella. One to three game suspension. 
Well, as big as this story was, a one to three game suspension could not be the result. So they had to find a way to make it make sense for the exposure it got. So they didn't suspend me for guns in a locker room because when it came down to it, do you actually have proof that I actually brung the gun? Did anyone see me touch a gun? Did I have a gun? Is there, do you, you guys got the guns? Are any of my fingerprints on the gun? The answer is no. So I can easily say, I don't know what you guys are talking about. You can't suspend me for guns. I'm only going to take one to three games. I'm not taking anything more than that. That's, you know, that's how me and David Stern's talk. I'm not taking more than one to three games. I done read all of the gun things. You know, you got a loaded gun on a plane. You have Steven Jackson who actually shot his gun. I'm pretty sure if you take the three unloaded guns on a chair, shooting in the air uh, outside of a club or um, a loaded plane on a gun, I'm pretty sure if everyone had to put themselves in a situation, it's the guy who has four unloaded guns, right? So one of three games is all I'm accepting. And that's when, <laughs> well, then um, I'm going to suspend you for 50 games and it's going to be um, your actions. And I was like, actions like what? The pistol firing hand gesture. Oh, when you came back, the 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 pistol fight that not having learned the lessons from whatever you were supposed to learn, he's going to give you fifty games for in in the warm up line doing pistols with gun fingers. Yeah, said because you're not taking it serious, and if the media keeps going, you're going to keep going. We need this out of the the spotlight. So, this is a mental thing. You're not mentally fit be on the NBA court. You're suspended for detrimental to the team, and we can lift it when we feel you're fit. And I'm sitting here like, is that a real thing? That's not, is that a real thing? So, so think about the wording, right? And this is why it's like, I'm not the victim. I'll say Javaris is the victim. Because you suspend me 50 games for detrimental because of this. Why does he get 50 games? He didn't do that. He, he didn't do... Well, but you know what it was, though. Like, around all the collective bargaining, you brought shame upon the league with guns in the locker room. And it doesn't yeah. matter what the nuance is. It doesn't matter whether you're fooling around about it afterward. There are certain things that are collectively bargained as partners, and he can only punish you so much. But once you did the finger gun thing, it could just be, I've got commissioner's powers. I'm David Stern. Yeah. Just shut up, Gilbert. I want you away yeah. for a long time because I can't have guns in my locker room. Yes, and that's my suspension. Then it's like, well, why is Javaris being suspended for 50 games? You know what I mean? So it's like he just gets thrown into my detrimental to the team, and he's not doing anything. But, Gilbert, you are not this one thing is my point. You are you yeah. are a fascinating personality. What I'm talking about in terms of it haunting you, you are, uh, I, I can't pretend to know you, but you give off a happy, mischievous person. And so to have this thing, you know, hiding behind curtains in your home, to have this thing following you around when you're offering all the detailed perspective, because it's only been your life and you have the specific mm -hmm. details that you've gone through a million times in your head, the whole thing just kind of sucks because you are much more than this one thing. 
Yes, like we all are. We all are. And that's, um, that's sometimes the problem with, I'll say, media and humans in general. We have this thing now, the wording is cancel culture, right? The only problem with cancel culture is the only people that seem not to move on is the people that's canceling. If a guy does something wrong and you cancel him and he changes his life, changes his behavior, right? Um, does the steps to be a better human being, a better whatever, and he gets back to the top of the stairs. You can't hold them back down for the same thing you already did. So like, you can't keep using the same one thing to keep pushing them back down. He's already changed his behavior to be back into this meeting. You can't keep using the same thing to keep pushing them back. That means that you're stuck still, not him. So that's the problem with cancel culture. So when someone says, hey, yeah, you know, the guns in the locker room incident, like, I was 28. <laughs> I was 28. I was a franchise guy. I was, I was the egotistic. I was a competitor. I'm retired. I'm 39. That is not the same person. I've, I've done changing. Ain't been in trouble since. Ain't touched a gun since. Well, I'd never touched a gun before, but ain't that has never been <laughs> an issue since. Like, so I, one time out of my 30, 39 years, I have 38 years of a good human being of no gun. Why are you keep focusing on the one thing to keep saying, oh, no, we're, we're, we're okay. And I'm like, that's the problem you have. What is the what is the point of ever of ever actually you know trying to improve yourself if no one actually ever accepts it? This went uh, even better than I imagined, and I had very high expectations for it. I will like to next time, and I hope I do get a next time to do this with you, talk to you about other things because I really was curious about your perspective on that. But I know you're fascinating, got stories for days on a number of different subjects. Before you get out of here, though, tell people what it is that you're doing on television and with your podcast if they want a little bit more of you, where they can find you, how they can find you, and why you're doing the stuff so they can find you. Okay, yeah, um, I started uh, my own TV podcast, um, The No Chill on uh, FUBU TV. So um, I have a TV deal with uh, FUBU, uh, FUBU, FUBU, FUBU TV. I don't know why I always say FUBU. FUBU TV um, comes on Monday night at 8 um, on their channel, and then we release it uh, YouTube um, on Wednesday, the full uncut version. Because of, you know, our NBA career, we're kind of handicapped of expression. So, you know, giving, you know, ex-athletes a voice so people can really, you know, hear other things besides basketball questions and answers, you know, um, that's what I'm giving world. Give, trying to give them jewels, trying to give them understanding on how to get to, to the next level um, because it seemed like success and being successful is something that everyone tries to hold to themselves. Um, so just, you know, trying to be a voice for the, the future. One more time, 
F-U-B-O TV. It cannot be FUBU. That's a totally different thing. (laughs) Yeah. But that is where they find you, and uh, you seem uh, well, and it's nice, too. It's nice to see that you've sort of chewed on all this stuff, and it seems like you've arrived in in a... more tranquil place because it sounds unpleasant. All of it sounds unpleasant. <laughs> it is not that bad because it's not all at once. It's, it's, it's a journey, you know, so it's not like I'm experiencing all at one time. So it, it wasn't, it was, it, it wasn't as bad as it comes out when I'm saying it because, you know, I'm still living life, trying to enjoy, it. you know, it's, it's, it's growth. It's the journey. It's like being in a dark tunnel. There's, there's light. It ends is, there's light. It's know, good so. to see the smile on your face, though. It's good to see that it, while it ended the player, it did not break the man. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. A lot has changed over the years, but you know one thing that has the great taste of Miller Lite? Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? I pose this question to you. I don't know. You tell me right now. Okay, yeah, that's good. I like that. Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. The best thing for me about a nice Miller Lite is when I'm on the boat, I bring those tall, I, I don't even go for the, the regular 12 ounce cans. I hit the tall boy 16 ounce cans. They usually come in a four packs wherever I buy beer. You put it in the cooler, you put some ice on top. The moment you take it out and the sun reflects off that gold top of Miller Lite with that white can, a beautiful sight out on the open ocean. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling and it tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash beach. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer.